Hello, I'm Karis. And I'm Rachel. And together we are the Therapy Sisters podcast, where we invite you to come home to yourself. We are therapists, sisters, and works in progress. Do you have a success story of overcoming something challenging in your life? We want to hear from you. Please email your story to thetherapysisters at gmail.com to be included in our regular installment of Own Your Story. We want to encourage fellow female journeyers with stories of success and growth. We want to note that although we are clinical therapists, this podcast is not a replacement for individual therapy and we are not here to give clinical advice. Please see our show notes for recommendations of therapists in your area. Karis, you want to recap us? I do want to recap us, Rachel. Thank you. And uh, recap us. Do it. Just because this is the third podcast we've record, uh, recorded, um, not only are we therapists, but we're sisters. So we have some sh- a lot of shared overlapping sort of experiences. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, in case you missed the last two episodes, um, or even if you did listen to them, we want to talk. We well, we did talk about. We want to continue to talking about continue talking about what makes you who you are, particularly as a woman, as women are kind of our target audience and who we're talking to here. And most of the makeup of our, our counseling caseloads typically. Mm -hmm. So we talked in the first episode, the wheel of, about the wheel of identity. Um, Feel free to look back. We put that wheel in our show notes and we go into a little bit more detail about what that is, but it's all the components of what makes us who we are. Um, And there are many parts that go into the makings of the glorious she person. But for our purposes here, we want to break things down into four main areas. And so last week we talked about kind of like the physical makings of a woman and not just like, well, not really at all appearance, but more like your body. What is your body telling you? Are you taking care of your body? And those kinds of things. The other three areas are emotional, spiritual, and relational. So today we're going to focus on the emotional aspect of being a woman. Um, and you know, these four areas, again, they're not, they're not all encompassing. They're not like every part of who we are, but we have come to find that in our work with women, that when we can focus and give some attention to these four areas, it really does lend to feeling like a more balanced person and like we're taking good care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, and you'll see that the four areas always interconnect, right? So like Mm -hmm. your emotions affect your emotional, when you talk, we'll talk more about needs, but emotional needs you know, intersect with relational needs, intersect with physical needs. They all kind of coexist and work together. So um, I think emotions are such a large topic and they can feel really tricky Mm -hmm. because I don't think they're easy for more, I want to say most people to recognize like, or you might recognize them, but not be able to identify um, what you need. You might just identify like you're frustrated and then you, you don't do anything about it. You just kind of avoid and move on. So um, I think that, I know I can feel pulled in a lot of directions emotionally between like all of my responsibilities, right? So my family and my career and my relationships and friendships and just balancing all the responsibilities that we have. And sometimes I think too that when you think about your emotional state, it isn't always um, like something emotional that happened, right? So like uh, I was talking with a client last night about um, working too much. And one of the things we were talking about was your brain versus your emotion, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to power through because powering through is something that's important. And once I get done, then I'll collapse on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I asked, what did your, what did your body feel in that? Well, I knew I was done. I hit a wall, but I kept going because I powered through. 
And so I had to explain, well, that's your emotional side talking to you. And that's different from your brain, right? So there's lots of ways that it comes out. So we're going to start with telling your own personal perspectives. Yeah. And unfortunately, like in that example, we, we tend to like, it's a, we wear that as a badge of honor. I'm exhausted. I'm spent, but Mm -hmm. I pushed through. Look at me go. Like, look how strong I am. Um, I succeeded. I succeeded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in that, in that success, inherent in that success is a neglect of your own emotional needs, your own body needs and that sort of thing. And emotions are tricky. Um, And I think we talked in our very first episode about how a lot of the cultural conditioning around being a woman has taught us that we set our, our needs aside. We take care of everybody else at the expense of ourselves a lot of times and emotions are no exception. Mm -hmm. So for me, like, you know, this has been, this has been and continues to be an ongoing journey. And I think it will be until the day that I die. Um, it's an area of continued growth and discovery for me. I've really just probably in the last couple of years, I've really come to realize, um, you know, kind of some of the shortcomings in my own ability to, I guess, to confront some of the more uncomfortable emotional experiences that I'm having. Um, I think I do a pretty good job of managing my own emotions and being aware of my own emotions, but I don't always, I don't always honor them or, or respond in a way that's most loving to myself or honoring to like my own needs. So, you know, Rachel and I grew up in a home, you know, we had, (laughs) we grew up in a home. (laughs) We didn't have a, we we didn't have a home, we had a a house. We had a house. (laughs) And, um, you know, we had, I would say that we had a loving home. We, we had two parents mm-hmm. who love us. Um, they still love us, I think. And um, <laughs> most days, we think most days, <laughs> most, most of the time. Um, but there's, there's the two of us. And then we have a, a younger sister as well. And uh, as loving as our home was, you know, I don't know that we were very well taught to honor our emotions or to even identify mm-hmm. our emotions. And somewhere along mm-hmm. the way, I know that I receive the message that I have to shut mine down, you know, that mm-hmm. not everything that I feel is, is, how do I want to say this? Not everything I feel is worthy of attention. Or maybe when I feel those uncomfortable emotions, um, or, and they're expressed, I receive a negative, I receive negative feedback for that, whether that's punitive sure. or a dismissal or whatever the case may be. And so somewhere along the way, I learned to quiet those uncomfortable emotions Mm -hmm. and at least maybe not so much to quiet them, but at least not express them, not share them, not make anybody uncomfortable. And I think that turned me into what I see a lot in my practice, people pleaser, you know, where I, I want to keep the peace. I want everyone to be happy. I want, um, I want everyone to be comfortable. And ultimately what I've learned in the last few years that really that's not about other people. That's about me. If everybody else is happy and comfortable, then I know that I'm safe. Right. And well, and interestingly enough, if everyone else is happy and comfortable, you're the only unhappy one. Right. Essentially. (laughs) Right. Not always. Right. If I'm, if I'm ignoring, if I'm ignoring some of those things, or if I'm, if I make my purpose to be, to make everybody else happy and comfortable, then I can find some resolution in that. But Mm. yes, often the buildup of that then is that you're setting aside some of those uncomfortable emotions. You're rationalizing, you're telling yourself, oh, it's not that big of a deal. I can let this go. And we think that's heroic, Mm. but really that's also a dismissal of our own experience. But I think we learned that early on. Like 
dismissal mm-hmm. of emotions or a negative feedback loop of expressing those uncomfortable emotions. And then we just kind of, we shut them down or we quiet them or we go about that job of, of keeping everybody happy. Sorry, were you going to say something else? No, I think part of it is also, I mean, we grew up in a pretty conservative Christian culture too. Yeah. So I think part of that narrative was like the good thing to do is to take care of everybody else Mm -hmm. or the right thing to do. Cause I know I was that way before I went to therapy, you know, for my eating disorder, just kind of, um, now I look back and say kind of the doormat. Like I never said no. Right. And then eventually you get to a point where you're exhausted because you don't say no. So yeah. And then you end up presenting the people that you're saying yes to when it's not their fault. They don't know that you're overextended. You're not communicating that. Right. Right. So, and you don't know that you are. You don't know any other way right. until you learn. Right. Right. And what mm-hmm. I've and I've learned to say no. Um, and I, I think that one I've learned. Um, and I, what I tell people a lot of times in my work with them is like setting appropriate boundaries with people serves them and it serves you. You know, it's mm-hmm. not helpful to mm-hmm. say yes to everything and then feel resentful. That's going to hurt your relationship big picture. But when you can draw right. those lines and you can say, you know what, I'm sorry, I don't have the bandwidth for that, but I would love to do ABC or whatever the case may be that honors that relationship and it, and it protects that relationship and it also protects your relationship with yourself. And, and I think going a step further too, I think how someone responds to your boundaries gives you a lot of information about the relationship too. Right. So if you get upset with me or if you're, you guilt me or give me a hard time because I have boundaries, then you're probably not in my corner. And then I might have to make some decisions about this relationship. So no matter what, what way you, um, however you decide to, to do it, I, we always go back to that's information for you to make decisions yes. or to process or to think about or be curious about like, okay, so maybe this person isn't for me or maybe this person is like this. They respond exactly in the way I needed. Right. You know? Yeah. Everything is information, body sensations, thoughts, uh, interactions, and our own emotions. So, you know, so for me in kind of growing up in that kind of people pleasing sort of place, I, I became this person that, I think I'm a, I think I'm a pretty guarded person. I think, so I think I'm a, I think I'm a warm person and I'm an empathetic person. And because Mm -hmm. of that, Mm -hmm. from the time I can remember conversations in like early high school where people would say to me, Oh my gosh, I've never told anybody this, but you know, and I barely Uh knew them. And so like people have always felt that Liberty with me. And so I think that in combination with sort of this dismissal of my own emotional experience create created in me, this like so the sense of purpose or need to be there for other people which I became a therapist so there you go (laughs) um and and, you know it serves me in that role and in that function uh but then it's difficult for me to be really transparent about the messy my messy emotions and so like there are very very few people in this world Rachel among them but very few people that really get access mm-hmm. to the messy parts of me. And I think we've mentioned before that we're mm-hmm. both in therapy. And I, so I had, I kind of mm-hmm. had this call out from, uh, because I think everybody needs therapy and just a little therapy plug, mm-hmm. even therapists need therapy. It's good to have somebody to talk to who's not you mm-hmm. and not in your circle. But anyway, my therapist yep. kind of called that out of me. I was talking about a really difficult thing and she's like, you're always so composed. And she was like, I've never seen you cry. <laughs> Like, I've never seen you cry. This is something that, like, a lot of people would shed tears over. I've never seen you cry. Are there people in your life that you can be messy in front of? And I was like, a couple, but not a whole lot. And so that's, for me, what I want to continue to work on 
is how do I make myself more vulnerable to people who are safe for me? You have to be very selective. Why are we laughing? I'm just laughing because I'm tearing up as you're t- <laughs> telling me. There's a difference between can't. me and Rachel. <laughs> I cry and I'm everything. Everything leaps out so of her funny. eyes. Me, I'm just like. Mm. It does. You'll be processing something intense with me, and and I'll think the same thing, and I'll be crying for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't need to cry. Rachel's got it covered. I got you. But to be clear, I do cry. It's just usually no, you do cry alone with my journal, <laughs> or in a meditative yes, yes, yes. experience, or you know. Sometimes with people, but rarely. (laughs) So that's just Mm -hmm. something for me that like I need to continue to work on getting more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And and that starts with getting more comfortable within myself with my own vulnerable, messy emotions. Um, And that's just going to be a work. And I'm just like everybody. And like we said before, we're just works in progress. And so that's just that's just me. Um, So like I about a decade ago, though, and I'll get into this probably in a future episode, but. I and my family faced just a situation in our lives that was kind of a turning point. And for me, it caused me to question a lot of things, pretty much everything my life was built on, what I believed. Um, And I had all these really complicated emotions, which I like now I can recognize I, I dealt with all like basically all by myself, you know, and back then when I was going through it, I didn't think twice about that. I was like, okay, like, this is my, this is my problem. These are, this is, I've got these questions or these emotions or this experience that I need to process through. It's my job. When really like, had I, had I reached out to like you, for example, you know, um, and that sort of thing, maybe it would have been a little bit easier to navigate because that was an incredibly lonely, lonely time for me. But it was the first time also in my life that I, I had to really, I had to really evaluate just everything, just everything in my life, everything that I thought and believed and what my experiences were. And I had to, I had to be really real with myself about what some of those emotions are. So sometimes it's those situations that bring on the really strong emotions that teach us, oh, we do have these and, you know, we have to learn how to cope through them. Um, for me, when I was going through all of this and what I hear from women a lot, maybe you can kind of attest to this too. The way it manifested was in just extreme irritability. I felt irritable all the time. I felt like I had two tiny, tiny, tiny humans at the time that were my offspring. And, you know, I just, I always felt like right at the surface, like my, my, my threshold was incredibly low. My resiliency was incredibly um, low. And I just, I, I had a hard time because all that emotion was inside of me and I didn't know what to do with it. Um, so I had to learn how to nurture that emotional experience. And that's really when I found like meditation and learning to sit (laughs) and learning to be uncomfortable and learning to just cry and allow whatever comes up to come up. Um, and I've had to learn and I'm continuing to learn how to check into myself. What am, when am I avoiding things? When am I ignoring things? How do I confront them? Um, and all that kind of stuff, getting curious, listening to my body. And I, and again, I just want to just validate. I think it's, I, th- I think it takes our whole lives. You know, I don't think this is something we're just good at. We have to learn how, um, so anyway, that's a little bit of my experience. Rachel, do you want to talk about kind of what yours has been with, with the emotional side of things? Yeah. And I was going to say too, for you, I think if I'm wrong, tell me, but having gone through that with you, I think part of it is you didn't even really know what you were experiencing until it kind of all unraveled like after a while. Right. So right. like, 
I think that's a good example of like you kind of went into fight mode and figured out what you need to do. And then you just kept on with a baby who wasn't sleeping. I mean, it was just kind of a <laughs> bad series of events. It was. Right? It was a so like cluster <clears throat> F was not ideal timing. No. So it's interesting because like I remember having some of those beginning conversations with you where you were like, oh, maybe maybe I'm grieving something here, yeah. you know, and then like after you started meditating, it started coming into your awareness. Like, no, this was a huge, big deal, right? Yeah. So I think that's such a good example of like being out of that window of tolerance because you just didn't know. You automatically went back to what you've always known, which was to go inward, you know? Go inward. And like so, you said, I, I, did, I, I couldn't quite hear if you said fight or flight, but I think I, I think I fought. I fought through. I just like... Yeah, I said fight. Okay. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's a you good went to example mode. of... Yeah. Like you just keep going. You keep, you keep doing what needs to be done. You just you make it to the end of the week and then you crash, you know, that sort of thing where you just, yeah. you put your power through. And again, we pride yeah. ourselves in that, yep. but there's a cost to mm-hmm. that. There's a cost to that. Right. Yep. Always. Yep. So for me, as I mentioned, um, I mentioned before, um, I battled a year, um, I, I battled an eating disorder for eight years. Mm-hmm. And man, it's so interesting because when I was going through it, I didn't have any awareness of my emotions or even that that was an avenue to regulate emotion. So, I mean, just like you, Karis, like, uh, I was the same per. I still am. I can go to the grocery store and somebody will tell me some- their story. And I'm like, I'm just trying to buy this piece of cheese for I my kid. <laughs> not that, not that I don't care, but like, it is a lot of emotional capacity to have somebody unload on you in the grocery line when your two children are like, can we go, can we go, can I get a treat? You know, you all day, every day. Right. Like, yeah. You yeah. To have space yeah. for that, for that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, catches you off guard, right? So growing up, I was the same way. Like I was the really good loyal friend. Um, I mean, I still am. I just have really good loyal friends back now. <laughs> so bless. I've always been tender and sensitive. This is no, what'd you say? I just said bless. <laughs> bless, bless. <laughs> yeah, so so I think um, I really struggled finding safety and friendships for a long, long time. I mean, I think even as a kid, I mean, you probably remember, I really liked adults. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I really liked older adults better, like people I babysat for. I think partially because I was a wise soul, like an old soul, but I think also like I felt seen by them and they didn't need me as much. So, um, you know, kind of like you mentioned, when I was a kid, I didn't know how to manage my emotions. I was a really sensitive kid. And so I think, um, I think it's hard to regulate a sensitive child if you don't know how. And so I think, um, or even what you know, is, I had no boundaries because when you're a kid, it just comes yeah. out in behavior. So parents don't always know. Yeah. 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 And I don't like fault our parents for that. No, I think no. they did the best they could, but I think, um, that, yeah, that was a part that wasn't nurtured cause they didn't, they probably didn't understand that part. Right. So, um, so I had no boundaries, cared deeply for other people and I had no outlet or way to manage, um, my emotional experiences. And I was probably the opposite, Karis. Like, I think I was overly expressive, probably in a negative way. Um, and I don't know what that, I'm therapizing myself. I'm not, I'm not sure. It'd be interesting. We should talk some time why I did that and you did the other because it's probably connected. There's a different outlet of, outlet of it. But Okay. Um, yeah, that is interesting. Probably just a, like in the same way that for me, that that withdrawal and shutdown was my way of kind of like, and making sure everybody was okay was my way of coping. Maybe your way of trying to cope was like oversharing, like trying to connect, trying to. So my way of connecting was was being quiet and. T- I think you're right. Like yeah. I just needed to be seen. I yep. just wanted to be seen. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I don't think I even knew that I wasn't okay. Like I just, 
I just didn't know what emotions were. So through my own healing process, I learned that I was trying to regulate emotions, which makes sense, right? I just didn't know how to do it healthily. And so it transformed like or transferred into an eating disorder. So when I think back on that, when I think back about emotion regulation skills, I think it's really remarkable that at 13, I knew I needed something. <laughs> like I needed some outlet. I just didn't know what. Um, Listen to that compassion I know, you're giving yourself. to myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was a lot about a need for control as well. And um, it just ended up quickly dysregulating me, right? Because I'd have a behavior and it's so, when you think about all the all the emotional, spiritual, relational, physical needs, like this is a good example of that. I could have a behavior, I plummet into kind of de- depression and despair, and then I have sadness, and then I have anxiety and shame and panic over what I just did. Like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Um, and just, mm-hmm. honestly, a sense of utter lack of control because I couldn't stop, you know? And so that kind of became my breaking point. And so now, as a therapist... Like we've said before, and even in this podcast already, I always view behaviors as information to be curious about. And there's a link to an answer of unmet needs. So, and our bodies always know that. Like, I think our bodies know before we know, you know? So sometimes when I'm talking to people, they'll say, I don't know why I feel, you know, really sad this time of year. I don't know why um, I'm struggling on Sundays. And we are able to connect back to like, oh, because a year ago on a Sunday, your husband left. Or a year ago on a Sunday, you had this huge trauma. And even though you're in a good space, like your body just remembers that. And so you're reacting, right? And so as a reminder, emotion dysregulation is whenever we're outside of that window of tolerance, which the window of tolerance is kind of that everything feels just right phase. Like I think about being in like a centered, grounded self. So um, when we're in hypo or hypo aroused state, so fight, fight or freeze, right? Um, it, It happens a lot like we, we end up reacting and it happens a lot, a lot easier than we think. Little, the little of things can bring us into that state, right? Absolutely. Um, so for me, I was emotionally and physically exhausted and I couldn't continue how I was. And I mean, you probably remember, like I was out of balance in every area of my life. Um, and I just felt really terrible. So I remember thinking like, I just, I don't think I knew recovery was a possibility. I just knew I could not keep doing this. Like I, I was handling other people's feelings by compensating in a really unhealthy way. So I was too young to know anything about emotion regulation and I recognized that my eating disorder was a form of regulating. Um, and so I think, as we've mentioned already, you, you can see that the, the areas in need all are interconnected and they overlap. And so my emotional needs weren't my, so I tried to have control and regulate in the ways that I could. And then I couldn't anymore. Like I didn't have any capacity. Um, and so then I just carried so much shame. I was kind of fed that cycle of like inadequacy and not being enough. And it was cyclical. So I've been recovered for 15 years now. And I really have learned how to honor my emotional side. I always joke with my clients that self-awareness is such a pain <laughs> because now I just can't ignore it. Like I either, like right. I, can, I can't ignore it, but I know what I'm doing. Um, you can't claim ignorant bliss anymore. No, I'm very aware. <laughs> And so I think um, I I used to get upset at how deeply I felt and just kind of desired to turn it off. Like, and I couldn't, you know, and I almost viewed it as a fault. Like, why do I feel so deeply? I don't know. I mean, I know you're an empath too. And I don't know if, you, if this gets this extreme for you, but like when somebody I love is really struggling, I like with clients, it's a role, right? So I have very specific boundaries like in my head. Right. And so when yep. I turn off my, right now our virtual. So when I turn off my laptop at night, I have a really like I speak to myself about okay did I did, did I do the best I can did we did what you know does my client have the tools they need um, will they contact me if needed if it's an emergency okay I'm 
we are in a good space. And I trust that, right? Because I do good work. So then I can shut it and I go upstairs and I be present with my family. If my kids are struggling or like if you are going through something or someone I love deeply is, that's a lot harder for me to shut my laptop because I can't. Like I just care so much right. and I have to you really- shut your life, your no. life laptop. <laughs> yeah. So- um, so I, now I view that as like kind of a gift. Um, Hillary McBride put this out a few years ago about how, um, sensitivity is a superpower. And for me, a lot of my healing in the last five years, you did you send it to me? I think two people sent it to me. Yeah. But in the last five years, uh, there's been a lot of healing and in coming into that. And part of that has been learning the Enneagram and reading it and being like, Oh my word. Like my husband read it and he was like, that's you. <laughs> like a t- like that too is you. Like that is how you do life. And almost like having a name to it of like, oh, that's really beautiful. Instead of like, I don't think that's okay, you know? So that part right. and then also learning like, you know, if I don't have these emotional sides, I don't connect with people, right? Because like mm-hmm. being a tender soul and being an empath and being intuitive connects me like as a therapist and as a mom and a wife and a friend and a sister, like all the things, right? Mm-hmm. So now I've learned to be aware of my emotions are out of balance. And typically, I can quickly attune to the, my emotional side and try to come back to a regulated state. It doesn't always happen because sometimes we have weeks where it like builds, 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 builds because everything's happening, right? Right. Or you don't have the space or time to give it attention yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Yep. So, and there's, I mean, there are things you can do to kind of regulate in the moment, but it's not the same thing as like resolving it, right? So um, I just want to say to you that emotions are normal and valid if they're good ones or quote, not good ones. Um, and they're not too much if you have them. I hear that a lot from my clients and I felt that way from a lot for a long time about how like, well, it's just too much. You just need to not feel so much. You just need to not worry about it. And that's like telling you to like turn part of yourself off. And when you're someone who is right. feeling something, um, it, it is okay to feel whatever it is, even if it's uncomfortable. So we'll talk more about uncomfortable feelings, but, um, I just want to affirm that like all feelings are good and all feelings are information and nothing is wrong with them. Like there's nothing wrong with you because you feel. Yeah. And I think it's really sad when people are told just to snap out of it or just get over it or, or they're too sensitive or whatever. There's no such thing as too sensitive. There's just a spectrum of sensitivity. Right. And so like you are more on the one end of the spectrum than some other people but that's like, that's not right or wrong. It's a wiring. And you mentioned the Enneagram. And I think like there's a lot of validation in seeing yourself represented yeah. in that, right? Um, oh, wow. There's, there is, actually, there isn't anything wrong with me because the message is if you're being told to turn off or to just get over it or you're too much, the message inherent in that is there's something wrong with you. <laughs> you yeah. Need to, you know, you need to change in some way, which is tragic. And, but, and people so, believe that. People, you know, people don't think about like, yeah. <laughs> What's happening with you that that's too much for you? Like they are just like, oh, okay, right. I guess I'm, I'm going to scale myself back then, you know? So I think it's interesting because I think it's also like if someone else can't regulate or attune, maybe the issue isn't you, maybe the issue is them. Maybe the issue is both if you're dysregulated, but um, yeah, it, right. it's not there's, bad. There's, it's, it's more complex than, than just that. Yeah. So because emotions and the full range of them, even the ones that are uncomfortable for us, they're what makes us human beings. And so to deny ourselves, any part of that experience is to deny our humanity, right? Um, and when we shut those down and we don't give them the attention they need or they're demanding or they're asking for, it can be incredibly problematic, both personally and interpersonally in our relationships. Um, 
So I know, like I mentioned being a people pleaser and it's easy for me to swallow my emotions in an effort to keep peace or to keep everyone happy. And I already mentioned, but I'll repeat, I know that this is a common struggle. I hear it all the time. I hear women often say that they shouldn't feel a certain way or, you know, dismissing their own experience. And just to what you were saying earlier, there is no right or wrong way to feel. Emotions, just like behaviors, are information. They're information. They're telling you something. And so our job then is to just get curious and to entertain and to try to connect and figure out what is the message that my emotional, you know, my emotions are telling me, my emotional dysregulation is telling me. Because when we have that information and we have that awareness, which yet to your point too is a blessing and a curse, right? Um, but when we have that awareness, we can do something with it, right? And so a lot of times behaviors are driven by subconscious forces and so can emotions. Something can strike you. You can see something and not even like consciously acknowledge or comprehend that you have seen it and it will create an emotional experience inside of you. So when we randomly feel something and you don't know why that's information. And I have this happen to me where I'll, you know, something for me, it often feels like I feel it in my chest. It feels like, like a walling up or a ping in my chest, you know, a pang in my chest. And I'm like, whoa, what's that? Why am I upset? <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> what yeah. am I feeling? Yeah. What is this about? You know, and I will have to take the time and I'll have to think what was what was happening inside my experience? Is there any thoughts that occurred to me? Did somebody say something that triggered something, you know, that's painful for me? And we just have to become investigators of that experience. So emotions, I try to I try to refer to them as comfortable and uncomfortable emotions rather than positive and negative. Because we tend to we tend to villainize um, some of the more uncomfortable feelings right. like anxiety and fear and anger and sadness, frustration. And not only do we villainize yeah. them? Yeah, not only do we villainize them, it's a, we're, we're naturally wired to not want to feel that way. So we don't want to feel those things. We want to be we want to be balanced. We want to be in that window of tolerance. We want to feel safe, secure, happy, whatever. So you know there is a natural component to kind of shutting them down or pushing them away. And we just have to learn to sit with them and embrace them and all of that. So I just want to just validate that as well, that like there is a natural side of that, that that's just kind of in our, our biological makeup because we're wired for what's comfortable. So anything that feels uncomfortable, we're going to want to avoid. And, um, but we need to talk about how do we step out of that place of avoidance and confront those things because avoidance is where things can start to go right sideways for us and really affect you right because then you're just regulated a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so right. yeah. so I think um like you just said you know like I used to feel like uncomfortable or negative ne- negative feelings were quote negative feelings were um like things I needed to fix right and that's really different than like learning to sit in them and give them permission to speak to you which sounds kind of funny but I think um, I mean, I for sure have avoided uncomfortable feelings too. And part of it's like, I don't have the emotional energy or space to do this today, you know? Oh, and like, right. maybe tomorrow I will, you know, do the tools I need to do to get in a better space and then I will address it. And it can even be little things like I can be stressed out and have five more emails and realize like, I don't need to answer these tonight. I need to shut this down because I'm just done. Like I'm just yeah. emotionally spent, you know? So I think a good way to attune to your feelings is something I do on a regular basis. There's lots of ways to do. So I'm not saying if, if you don't like to sit with yourself or if you don't like to journal, you don't have to do those things. I'm just telling you what I do. But um, I try to get up a little bit before my kids in the morning on the days that I work. So not a ton of time, 10, 20 minutes. 
Um, and I will just sit for a minute, which this is something I used to hate to do because it felt uncomfortable. And I would think about like, I need to get these groceries. I need to change these sheets. I need like, and now I've kind of learned the beauty of it. And so the stillness of it is just really kind of a gift, but it took time. So I'm not saying this is something people should do tomorrow and it'll just click, right? So I will sit and kind of scan and just kind of notice if I have any disruption in my body, like we talked before, like body sensations, right? And I get it a lot in my chest and I get it a lot in my throat. And I get it a lot behind my eyes, like if I'm tired or sad or have a lot of going on. And so um, like scanning your body to figure out what you're experiencing. Sometimes it's easier to identify if there's a particular situation. So I think it's important to normalize that all feelings are valid and good even within yourself, right? And so I think um, a piece of advice I give to my clients is to identify what you're feeling and what those needs and emotions are um, and what they want to communicate or what they need from you. So... Um, an example is this past December, <laughs> we had a whirlwind of a situation um, and it was overwhelming and I, I handled it well in the, in the middle of it, um, but it was really emotional because it was overwhelming. And then when I got home, I realized um, it like hit like a ton of bricks, like to be expected, right? And I very much was in fight mode. So I was away from my family. It was a medical issue. I was, it was not a planned thing. And I, I knew what I was doing. I said, bring me my laptop bring me this, bring me this. And I just put myself into work, right? And into communicating things. Like, I think it's so funny. I'm emailing our whole staff about a huge change in software and I'm in the hospital. <laughs> but I was like in mode. Like I just need to and like, nobody, knew. nobody, nobody knew. knew. I didn't tell anybody. I mean, I told you and my, and my husband, right? And part of that was also, I was in mode. I was, it was a whirlwind of information. I just needed to like get things figured out. My kid was sick. It was just not an ideal thing. And so when I got home um, that Thursday, it all hit like a ton of bricks. And I had a lot of emotions. Like I felt overwhelmed. It was Christmas week. I felt um, I had to monitor my kids' emotions and feelings. I had to figure out mine. I had to deal with the kind of anxiety of what had happened and the fears surrounding that. And so I sat down with my journal and I wrote out all the things I was feeling. So I was feeling anxious. I was feeling nervous. I was feeling overwhelmed. I was feeling sad. Like I felt like Christmas week was kind of robbed. Um, and then I wrote down like what each emotion needed from me and what I could provide to it. And it, it was kind of like, um, I needed validation. Like, of course. So this is what I did. Of course you feel overwhelmed. Of course you feel sad. Of course you feel, um, a little anxious and spent. Like this was a really big week, but then it got into the place of, but look what you did look what you were able to accomplish in the midst of all of that and look how we're going to move forward. And so it got me to a place of like, I have the, the best supports, right? And I'm so loved and my family is okay. And we have the resources to get our needs met. Yeah. Um, and so that's just a good example of like, it felt like an extreme emotional situation where I needed to really hone in. Cause I just felt really emotionally kind of stunted, like just kind of raw and so that gave me permission to come back into myself and be present with my family and get into a good place so I think the simple task of validating your own emotions you know like when we grieve the power of someone sitting with you in it not fixing it is really amazing and so part of it is learning to be able to offer that to yourself like that self-compassion part of like yes of course you yeah. feel that way or it's okay to feel sad so that's it it sounds simple I know it's not but that's um something that I do on a regular basis because it, it helps me get into a regulated state and kind of identify what I need and then be able to be back in that window of tolerance again. And I've been doing it a long time. So I think it's something that is learned. Like it's not a first time thing. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've been at this for a while and we're in this field. So yeah. like mm -hmm. these are things that, I mean, we try to, 
we try to practice, you know, what we're preaching uh, along these lines, but also like we have, we have access to this stuff more than some other people do. Right. Um, just because we're, we're confronted with it all the time. So mm-hmm. like if you're somebody who just avoids their emotions and that sounds incredibly overwhelming to you, that's sure. okay. You just mm-hmm. got to start where you're at. Um, and for me, I like, you know, so I, I learned the power of sitting there through meditation. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. has to be a part of my repertoire. Sometimes right. it's just silence. Sometimes it's, um, I'll sit to a timer and I'll just kind of try to visualize, you know, where I'm at. Um, sometimes I have a place I go in my head. Uh, it's it's a room that that my imagination has conjured that I just try to sit in um, and ask myself, you know, what do I need? Is there anything, you know, I, this sounds a little funny, but I'll say, like, is there anything that I need to know? I'll ask myself, is there anything that I need to know? Is there anything that I need to do or to respond to? Um, and I try to do that daily. I'm not perfect and things get busy and sometimes I fall off those routines. So I just want to own that, but I try to do that daily. And then I try to do a bigger, like sit down and just journal. I like to write. So just kind of free writing exercise of this is what's been happening in my experience. These are some things that I'm thinking and feeling about and just kind of tapping into that. And is again, is there anything that needs my attention? And the question that I'm asking myself right now in my own process is, is there anything that I'm avoiding? Is there anything that I'm avoiding or that I'm pushing off? And if so, then I try try to give myself an action step around that so that I can break that habit that continues to be a part of my experience. So um, so that's a little bit about what I do. And so as always, we want to kind of leave you with um, with a way to get started with some of this. And so, um, yeah. So Rachel, do you want to walk people through how they can get started with that? Or do you want me to? Well, I think we talked about just that self-compassion piece, right? So mm-hmm. I think Which that's um, a whole topic that we need to do. Yeah, it is. We'll and I was just thinking that. that like what you just were talking about is, is self-compassion and nurturing, right? Like being able to really walk through. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think too, I want to say too, like, a lot of it can depend on your time schedule. So we think about like, what you're talking about the daily thing is pretty preventative, right? And so I think like for me on the weekends or the days I'm not seeing clients, that's when I kind of dump more in a journal because I have more emotional capacity and space. So whatever works right, for right. you. Um, but I think even if you were to, we've already talked about kind of body sensations and scanning your body, which gives you usually connection to your emotional state. But I think if you're able to identify what that feeling is. So if you're someone who doesn't like feelings, like I've had clients who are like, I don't even know what I'm feeling. <laughs> If you're able to identify that, like, okay, I feel angry, I feel sad, I feel frustrated, I feel happy, I feel joyful. If you can identify that, that is huge. If you want to go a step further and identify like, okay, how can I offer compassion and kindness to those parts? Then it would look something like the validation piece. It's okay to feel the way you're feeling or how can I support you in this? You know, so, and that's something you can write about. I think writing is helpful because you can go back and revisit it. Some of my clients hate writing, but... I think you can go back and revisit it and see what your experiences are like throughout the week and what you're learning about yourself. So if you at least just notice what the emotion is, that gives you information. And then from there, if you want to, you can figure out, okay, so what do I, like you said, like, what is that information? Does it need to communicate something to me? And if you don't know, that's okay too. And maybe it's something where you identify what's making me feel this way or did something happen? Um, do you have more to add to that? Like to give more detail about how to do that? Well, I think there's any number of ways to do that, but yeah, just, I think when you notice 
because unco- uncomfortable emotions can manifest in a variety of ways. They can. Sometimes it yeah. is just kind of the emotional experience. You, like you feel yeah. that urge to cry or you feel that mm-hmm. irritation. Sometimes it is a body sensation. You feel tension. You feel that sh- like that shutting down or that walling up in your chest. You feel right. tightness in your throat. Right. Um, and sometimes it's a behavioral thing. Sometimes you snap at somebody and mm-hmm. you don't know why. So mm-hmm. just getting really familiar with all of those things. Mm-hmm. So paying attention, like something that doesn't feel that doesn't feel right to you or doesn't feel like it best represents your Who best you version of yourself yep. or that yep. feels uncomfortable, that is your moment to pause and just say, okay, what can I name what this emotional experience is? And if you can't, then ask yourself, what am I thinking about? Or what is, you know, what's happening in my behavior? Just building that awareness and building those connections, I think is, is a great place to start. And I want to acknowledge that is hard. That is hard work. Is and that's hard. where sometimes it's ongoing. You don't yeah. ever arrive. Yeah. And that's sometimes where I think to getting a therapist be very helpful because sometimes it's hard yes. to identify that on your own. And like we didn't go back to therapy because something major happened. We went back to therapy because we we're like, we probably could use somebody that would just kind of balance life with us, you know, and help us walk through some things. Nothing major was going on. It's just nice to have an objective support that walks through things. So you don't have to be in a crippling right. state to call a therapist either. I think anything that betters you is worth it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank mm. you for listening us to Ramble On About Emotions. <laughs> we hope that you can get in touch with yours. And we'll look forward to connecting next time. We're going to be talking about spiritual. I believe right? it's spiritual. spiritual. Selves. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> about our spiritual selves. So that's another big one, but it's a good one. So we hope that you'll join us in our next episode. Ooh, it might have to be two. I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Thanks for joining the Therapy Sisters today for our episode. We're so glad you're here. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe. And if you want more, please feel free to connect with us on Facebook at the Therapy Sisters Podcast, on Instagram at the underscore therapy underscore sisters, or feel free to shoot us an email at thetherapysisters at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can support us is to leave a five-star review. We look forward to connecting again next Tuesday. Over and out.